fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. A fantastic Friday to you. So good to have you with me on the show today. It is the 23rd of February, 2024. It's Kale Clark Show live in full effect on Relevant Radio. Here's the listener line that you can call in, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. 1 888 914 9149. 888 914 9149. Got so much to jump into today. Want to get started right away. You can also email me at this address, kale, C A L E, at relevantradio.com, and find me on the x.com app. My handle is at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. So we're going to talk about, to start off with, because it's Friday, it's a Friday in Lent, doing some penance here. We are not eating meat today. Maybe we're doing some other penances. Maybe you're planning on going to confession today, which would be a good thing, or this weekend. We're going to talk about four steps that you can take, four simple steps to deeper Lenten confessions. You can really unlock the power of penance with these four steps. And they may be simple, but they, they may not necessarily be easy, but uh, well worth it to be sure. And I want to thank Patrick Alog, producer here at Relevant Radio, who sent me this link. And you can send me a show idea as well. You can become a shadow producer of the show by emailing me at kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. So this is actually a piece from the Archdiocese of Washington's blog by Monsignor Charles Pope. And maybe you've seen Monsignor Charles Pope celebrate TV Mass, as I certainly have from time to time, and uh, from the uh, the Basilica in Washington. And uh, this is a really interesting post that he made. And it's it's really good, because it's, it's from a priest's perspective, of course. He hears a lot of confessions. But I think it's just good advice for all of us. And it's called, From Perfunctory Penitence to Compelling Confession in Four Easy Steps. And here's what he says. He says, quote, for many people, the sacrament of confession is experienced in a rather perfunctory way. Upon preparing to go to confession, many are content to look at some matters pertaining to external behavior, like I got angry with my children, I had lustful thoughts, I was distracted in prayer, I didn't pray as much as I should, I gossiped, and so on and so on. While the confession of these sorts of things is good and proper, it also remains true that for confession to really heal, it's necessary to go deeper. It's necessary to examine the deeper drives and motives of sin, to examine not only what I have done, but to ponder why, end of quote. And I think this is a really good question to ask because it's true. We can go to confession in a kind of perfunctory way, and we can kind of do this with all the sacraments as well. When we go to Mass, we're... It's very tempting at some level. It's somewhat human for us to to want to just sort of check things off in our spiritual life. There are certain things I do every day. There's probably certain things that you do every day as well, whether it's mental prayer, your rosary, reading in the New Testament, trying to make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, trying to get to daily Mass, all that stuff. And, 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 it's, very, and it's very human sometimes to just say, I checked off that box. I've done it. I've made the outward act we got to go deeper than that. And I think Lent is a, is a super season to do that. And Monsignor Pope references the gospel. And one of the things that Jesus said in, in Matthew's gospel, it's also in, in uh, Matthew and Luke as well, is when Jesus says, 
hear me, all of you, and understand. And he's talking about the food laws, the the dietary laws of the old covenant, what we would call the ceremonial works of the law. They're done away with in the new covenant. Jesus said, look, hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person, but the things that come out from within are what defile. Do you not realize that everything that goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and passes out into the latrine? And then there's a sort of a parenthetical comment, which was not, Jesus didn't say this, but the evangelist said this. It's kind of added in. Thus he declared all foods clean. And this is from Matthew chapter 7. Now, of course, this idea of external purity, and, and in Mark's gospel especially, they, there's, a, there's a great discussion, and Mark really has to explain this to his, because he's writing to Gentile readers for the most part in Rome, Mark's gospel directed to the city of Rome. And he has to explain the Jewish kosher laws. He has to explain the washing of cups, ritual washing of dishes, the food laws, that sort of thing. And there, was, there were a lot of matters of external purity that the Jews of Jesus' time observed. And it was a big deal. Uh, it, it, was, it was part of the, what we call it again, the ceremonial works of the law. But one of the problems is that, and we, we kind of can see this in our own lives too in the modern age, that you can do all the external things on the outside. But sometimes we, as um, Monsignor Pope puts it, we can short-circuit deeper introspection. He says, quote, it's possible to think I am a hero because I stay away from unclean foods and I do other things like pay my tithes. But then, on account of my hero status, I don't look at how I treat others with contempt or I have an unforgiving attitude, etc. The ritual observance is not wrong, but our carnal nature can twist it and make it deadly by turning holiness into perfunctory external observance. And of course, we know what, what Jesus said about the scribes. He, he pronounced all these woes in Matthew's gospel on the scribes. He said, look, on the outside, you look pretty like the whitewashed tombs. They look good. They, they're, they're sparkling in the sunlight as the sun would glint off the limestone in the Holy Land. It's blinding. I mean, we see this. there's so much limestone. You, you definitely need to wear shades. It can hurt your eyes. But he says inside Inside these tombs, Jesus said, are the bones of all kinds of dead people and all kinds of filth. And that's what you guys are like. You might be looking good externally in your religious activities, but God knows your hearts. God knows your hearts. Let's make the two match. Talks about washing of cups and dishes. He says, look, if you wash the inside of the bowl, you'll make the outside clean as well automatically. But I'm not talking about bowls here. This isn't about bowls. And so uh, this was always, though, kind of um, a warning all throughout the Old Covenant. And uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, as, as Monsignor Pope points out, there was a famous utterance by Moses, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. So obviously, this is what God wants. He wants soft hearts. He wants hearts that are open to God. So there's, there's much more to it than ritual observance, external behavior. And then, of course, in sort of part two of Jesus talking about, hey, it's, it's not what you eat that, that's unclean, it's what comes out of you. He says in Matthew 7, verses um, uh, 22 and 23, what comes out of the man 
is what defiles him. For from within, from his heart, come evil thoughts, unchastity, that's impurity, sexual impurity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within, and they defile a person. So Jesus is focusing on the interior life. So it's not enough to say, as Monsignor Pope puts it, it's not enough to say, I got angry. We have to ask, what is it that causes my anger? What is there in my heart and in my mind that give rise to anger? Is it fear? Well, then why am I afraid? Am I afraid because I do not trust God? Am I afraid because I'm egocentric? And when the whole world doesn't think exactly as I do or have the priorities that I do, I get afraid. Am I afraid because I'm a control freak? My wife is laughing right now because I'm a bit of a control freak. And I have to have everything go just as I planned exactly. If it doesn't go exactly as I planned, do I then get fearful? And do my fear, does my fear cause me to issue forth in anger? Why am I angry? What causes it? So this is a, we have to go deeper. We have to go several layers deeper. We have to really peel back the onion here. And what's true of a sin like anger, excessive anger, um, unjustified anger, the same can be said for all kinds of other sins. What is driving it? What are the, what are the sinful attitudes that eventually, you know, they may be lodged in your heart, but they're eventually going to manifest themselves in behavior. Bad thoughts can give rise to bad behavior, as Monsignor Pope puts it. And then you need to confess that. So go deeper. So what, what is the four-step process? Remember, this was the title of this uh, piece was Four Easy Steps from, perfect, from Perfunctory Penitence to Compelling Confession in Four Easy Steps. So here's step number one. He says, number one, observe your sinful behavior, but don't stop there. See it as a symptom of something deeper. So observe it, note it, write it down if you need to. I, I do that when I, when I go to confession. I kind of have a list. I, I keep it on my phone and I just trash the note once I'm out of the confessional because Jesus throws those sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And uh, it was Sister Margaret Mary Alacoque, right, who, uh, uh, devotion to the Sacred Heart, she went to her confessor, and this guy's like, I don't think Jesus is really talking to you. And um, he said to her, okay, next time Jesus appears to you, then ask him what I said in my last confession. She said, okay, okay. So the next time she talked to the Lord, had this private revelation, if you will, uh, she got the answer. She came back to the guy. He said, okay, well, what did Jesus say? What was in my last confession? And, he, and she said, I don't remember. I don't know. I've forgiven your sins. They're gone. <sighs> See your forgetfulness. And he was like, okay, I think you're hearing from Jesus. So we, we have to observe our behavior and, and see it as a symptom of something deeper. So number two, so that's step number one, observe. Step number two, once you have observed what you are doing, ask the question, why? Monsignor Pope says, quote, let the Holy Spirit show you the deeper drives that give rise to sinful behavior. To this end, it is also helpful to avail yourself of some teaching on the seven deadly sins. Pride, anger, lust, greed, gluttony, envy, sloth. 
there are some good resources out there that he recommends, such as uh, Dr. Peter Kraft, a friend of the show, wrote a good book called Back to Virtue, good book on the virtues, lots of uh, books by others, uh, materials by others as well. But in addition to these seven deadly sins, there are also attitudes that give rise to sin. This is the interior life. We've got to go deep here. Fear. We talked about that a little bit, which often drives anger, unjustified anger. And clearly there is some justified anger. For example, when, when Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers, the action in the temple, the so-called cleansing of the temple, he was mad, but he was, he was rightly so mad. And there are other things that, um, that could cause uh, justified anger. Um, people being taken advantage of, uh, the abuse of the innocent, et cetera, et cetera. But there are things like indifference, your indifference, not really caring either way. There's sort of the meh attitude, laziness, contempt, impurity, hatred, malice, cowardice, jealousy, desire for revenge, disobedience, disobedience to legitimate authority, hard-heartedness, stinginess, selfishness, pettiness, spite, neglect, prejudice, arrogance, self-centeredness, pomposity, insincerity, impatience, infidelity, ingratitude, disobedience, can go on and on and on and on. He says, if you focus on these deeper drives and attitudes, you realize it is they that give rise to our bad behavior. So you need to learn to name them, know their moves, know their tactics, know their tricks. Ah, but you say, there is so much to remember here. Well, he says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to offer you a resource that I've compiled myself from various sources, and it's called the Litany of Penance and Reparation. Now, this, this is really good. I'm going to share this with you in just a second. This is from Monsignor Pope, something he came up with himself. Yeah, hey, you can write your own litany as well. Go for it. There, there are lots of great litanies you can pray. I really like the Litany of Humility by Cardinal Mary Delval. <laughs> M-E-R-R-Y. He's a very merry soul. That's a good one. You try praying with that one. That that will hit you. And when you pray the litany for humility, it's amazing how many chances you get to practice this virtue. It's unbelievable how that works. So he came up with something called the litany of penance and reparation. And, and it's all about discovering these deeper drives that can lead to outward sinful behavior. And he says, look, just pray it before confession. We'll put a link to this in the show notes, by the way. So you don't need to worry about this. You don't need to look it up. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. You can click on it. If you pray it before your confession, it'll help you. Obviously, do your examination of conscience as well. But that, that'll help you do, to discover these deeper drives that cause bad behavior in the first place. So we've got to take a quick break right now on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. But we'll talk about this litany of penance. I'll reveal this to you after the break, and you can call them with your questions, comments, plus much, much more, including the week that was, coming up on the program. 888-914-9149. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, welcome back to the show on this Friday. We're going to kick off your weekend in style. What we've been talking about, the top four steps for you to have deeper Lenten 
Confessions. And Monsignor Charles Pope from the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. has uh, written a really interesting piece about that. So if you missed the first segment, check the podcast. It should be up a few minutes after the show. You can download it on the relevant radio app. New and improved. We just updated the app uh, not too long ago, so it's a great chance to download it if you've never done it before or to update your app on your smartphone through the Apple App Store or through Google Play. And you can share these podcasts very easily with your friends and family. All right, so top four steps to deeper Lenten confessions. This is what we kind of talked about so far. We talked about the first two steps. So step number one is to observe your sinful behavior, but don't stop there. you got to go deeper because all the outward actions are truly just a symptom of maybe a heart sickness, something a little deeper. So let's find out the reasons why. This is step number two. Once you have observed what you do, ask the question, why? Let the Holy Spirit show you what's really driving these sinful activities. And so, Monsignor Pope says you can really check out some great books on virtues, such as Back to Virtue by Dr. Peter Kraft. And he also composed himself something called the Litany of Penance and Reparation. Again, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. But I just want to read this to you because it's a great litany. It's something that you can pray. And there's so many great litanies of prayer. We often pray uh, the Litany of Loretto after the uh, Rosary. The Litany of Humility by Cardinal Mary Del Val. I mentioned that one. That's one of my favorites. So this is called the Litany of Repentance. So I'm just going to read this. And if you want to sort of pray in your heart as I do this, that, that's great as well. In reparation for sins against justice. In reparation for sins against modesty. In reparation for sins against purity. In reparation for sins against truth. In reparation for all sins against the human person in reparation for sins against children and the young, in reparation for sins against the innocent and trusting, in reparation for sins against the frail and elderly, in reparation for sins against the unborn and infants, in reparation for sins against the weak and powerless, in reparation for sins against immigrants and strangers, in reparation for sins against the poor and disadvantaged, in reparation for sins against the sanctity of marriage in reparation for sins against the sanctity of the family, in reparation for sins against the sanctity of consecrated life, for our failure to give witness to Christ as we ought, for our failure to submit our will to God, for our failure to give good example to others, for our failure to seek God above all things, for our failure to act justly, for our failure to show mercy, for our failure to repent of our sins, for our failure to obey the commandments of the gospel, for our failure to curb our earthly desires, for our failure to lead a holy life, for our failure to speak the truth, for our failure to stand up against injustice, for our failure to live chastely, for our failure to show compassion for the suffering, for our failure to guide sinners to repentance, for our failure to pray for others, for our failure to assist those in need, for our failure to console the grieving, for our failure to forgive others, for our failure to encourage those who are weak in faith, for our failure to endure the trials of life patiently, 
for our failure to visit the sick, for our failure to love as we ought, for our failure to practice our faith with zeal, for our failure to work for the unity of peoples and nations, for our failure to promote peace and reconciliation, for our failure to seek forgiveness for our sins, for our failure to be generous with our goods, for sins committed out of fear, for sins committed out of indifference, for sins committed out of contempt, for sins committed out of impurity, for sins committed out of hatred, for sins committed out of laziness, for sins committed out of cowardice, for sins committed out of anger, for sins committed out of greed, for sins committed out of jealousy, for sins committed out of revenge, for sins committed out of disobedience, for sins committed out of hard-heartedness, for sins committed out of pride, for sins committed out of envy, for sins committed out of stinginess, for sins committed out of selfishness, for sins committed out of pettiness, for sins committed out of spite, for sins committed out of self-indulgence, for sins committed out of lust, for sins committed out of careless neglect, for sins committed out of prejudice. Because I am obnoxious, forgive me, Lord. Because I am dishonest, forgive me, Lord. Because I am egotistical, forgive me, Lord. Because I am undisciplined, forgive me, Lord. Because I am weak, forgive me, Lord. Because I am impure, forgive me, Lord. Because I am arrogant, forgive me, Lord. Because I am self-centered, forgive me, Lord. Because I am pompous, forgive me, Lord. Because I am insincere, forgive me, Lord. Because I am unchaste, forgive me, Lord. Because I am grasping, forgive me, Lord. Because I am judgmental, forgive me, Lord. Because I am impatient, forgive me, Lord. Because I am shallow, forgive me, Lord. Because I am inconsistent, forgive me, Lord. Because I am unfaithful, forgive me, Lord. Because I am immoral, forgive me, Lord. Because I am ungrateful, forgive me, Lord. Because I am disobedient, forgive me, Lord. Because I am selfish, forgive me, Lord. Because I am lukewarm, forgive me, Lord. Because I am slothful, forgive me, Lord. Because I am unloving, forgive me, Lord. Because I am uncommitted, forgive me, Lord. Because I am sinful, forgive me, Lord. Because I am loved by you, thank you, Lord. And then there's an act of contrition, which is sort of the, the stock act of contrition. Oh, my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee, and I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all because they offend you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to confess my sins, to do penance, and to amend my life. So that, that's, a, that's a, a litany written by Monsignor Pope called the Litany of Repentance. And that's, that's not a bad litany to pray if you're getting ready for confession, aside from an, an examination of conscience, it's kind of a fresh way to approach it. <laughs> There's just a laundry list there of failures. And we, we're all guilty of at least some of them. And so uh, that, that it's a nice thing. So again, we'll put we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And that, that helps with, as he says, step number two, which is going deeper. It's not just making a list of the acts, the simple acts that we've done wrong that we need to confess, but also why answering the question, why did we do what we did? And then, again, this is a four-step process, four steps to uh, having deeper confessions. And you're welcome to call in, give a commentary on this if you want to 
ask a question, 888-914-9149. Step number three, once you've prepared, go to confession and confess not only the bad behaviors, which again are the symptoms, but to articulate these deeper drives and attitudes. Name them, call them out, see them for what they are, learn their moves. And it's true that the enemy is very crafty and often we don't even understand or, or we're not aware of all the ways that he tries to get us to fall into these, uh, these sins really. Although <laughs> we often don't need a whole lot of help from the outside. We, we, uh, we buy Sometimes we, we just give in ourselves. Uh, the, we can say the devil made me do it, but oftentimes we're choosing to do these things. Let's face it of our own free will. And then step number four, repeat, you know, rinse and repeat. Repeat this process frequently through the year. Gain self-knowledge and self-mastery through the years. Confession will break open. It'll break open for you. It'll become a new experience for you because it's no longer just going to be reciting a perfunctory laundry list of external behaviors. He says it'll become a compelling, transformative sacrament that breaks the bondage of sin by the power of God's grace. He says, try this method. It's never been known to fail. So again, we'll put a link to this in the show notes for you. And I think this is really important to, to, to go a little deeper, look at these motives. And then c- confession can really be get some, get some deep work done in our souls uh, this Lent. So let's go a little deeper, dig a little deeper here, and look at the motives behind the madness of our actions, if you will. So my thanks to uh, Monsignor Charles Pope for, for writing this little piece and for writing this litany of penance and reparation for sin. So good stuff. And, and, and this should be very, really encouraging to us. I know it's um, sometimes when we examine ourselves, it's, it can be discouraging. Um, but we're not, you know, and one of the things that St. Jose Maria said, uh, the founder of Opus Dei, St. Jose Maria Escriva, said sometimes when we, when we start getting closer to God, we start thinking, man, I've gotten worse. Like, I mean, you do this examination of conscience and you think, man, I think I'm actually regressing. But he said, you're, you're not actually getting worse. You, you just come to see reality for, for what, what it is. Maybe you were a little bit uh, sanitized to it or um, anesthetized to it at some level. But now you kind of know, and, and, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing to get the diagnosis and start working on this. And, and you're, doing, you're doing well. You're progressing. You're progressing. So th- this is uh, something that we, uh, we have to understand. This, again, sort of in, in concert with a good examination of conscience. That's why I'm such a big proponent of spiritual direction, because there's that accountability there. A, a good spiritual director is going to tell you what he really sees, just like a doctor is going to tell you what's actually wrong with you. And trying to hide things from your director is about as foolish as lying to your, to your physician. He can't help you. He can't heal you if you don't show the wound. So it's very crucial, I think, that we that we do do this on a regular basis. So you're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up on the program, but right now it's time for a little weekly retrospective, courtesy of producer Jim Shaper. He has compiled for you maybe something that you might have missed throughout the week. It's called the week that was on the Kale Clark Show. Let's go. Let's go to Matthew in Michigan. Hi, Matthew. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for everything you do. Three years ago, you're the reason I actually went back to the faith. Hearing you on the radio, randomly coming back from Green Bay to Michigan. And I, I appreciate you and everything you guys do. 
You gotta be kidding me! Wow, that that is super encouraging, man. I I appreciate yeah. you telling me that. Thank yeah. God. I'm super excited. I had a crazy life, and uh, I'm actually meeting with the vocations director, trying to do something for God. That's amazing. That's amazing. We'll pray yeah. for that, Matthew. Thank you for that. The only time I really find peace is when I'm listening to relevant radio. Honestly, God, or praying. Joining me is the voice of the Chicago Bulls, play-by-play on 670 The Score. The great Chuck Swirsky is my guest. Again, great friend of the program. Chuck, happy to have you back. When you get your ashes on Ash Wednesday, have you ever had anybody in the association say, what is that smudge on your forehead? Yes, I have been. It's an opening. When they ask that question, I don't run from it. And I explain exactly what's going on with my faith, whether they completely understand or not. It's a journey and it's a process that one day, hopefully, they'll continue to ask questions when they develop a relationship with Christ. I got to tell you, in terms of Lenten penances, I guess you could say last night's All-Star game was a bit of a penance for all of us. These are the best players in the world, period. And I do think this commissioner has tried to get the players to buy in that this is an opportunity to showcase the greatest players in the world. And he wants a competitive game. What we're seeing now is just an exhibit of breakaway dunks. And I don't know how to fix it. Dan McClellan says there are no eyewitness accounts of Jesus in the New Testament. Even when St. Paul writes his first letter to the Corinthians, this is one of his earliest letters in the early 50s. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this great chapter on the resurrection, Paul lists all these resurrection appearances of Jesus. And he says there is one particular appearance where 500 people saw him at the same time. He said, by the way, most of these guys are still alive, although some have died. So you can ask them about it. In other words, you can basically, I'm daring you to interview them because these are eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. I don't think he would have said that if he couldn't back it up. There is plenty of evidence that there were eyewitnesses walking around during the time of Jesus and afterwards who could vouch for whether these things really happened. A lot of scholars actually think that Jonah actually did die in the belly of the whale. And when this sea creature spits him up onto the dry land, he's in a sense resurrected. He's given his life back from God. Whether he dies or not, it's still a prefigurement, of course, of the death and resurrection of Christ. Just as Jonah spent that time in the belly of the sea monster, Jesus spends that time in the heart of the earth, three days, three nights, in the tomb. And then, of course, he's resurrected on Easter Sunday. We have great historical evidence for this. Let's go to Don in Maui, Hawaii. Kalen, love your show. I have a very good friend that was Jewish. He's become Catholic. And when he would go to Israel, he would pray at the tomb of David for David's intercession. Wondering if you've heard other uh, things about this idea of the communion of saints pre-Jesus. The question of the communion of saints within Judaism, that, that's kind of an interesting thought because when we have, of course, the, the books of the Maccabees, the talks about this idea of in a sense, purgatory, that somehow the sins of fallen soldiers can be atoned for after their death. We can sort of help them after they've died through prayers and sacrifices. New Testament has a very Jewish background. There's this Hall of Fame of Faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. It's super inspiring. It talks about this great cloud of witnesses. And this is the communion of the saints. That was the week that was on the K.O. Clark Show so far, but we still have a few minutes left on this show on this Friday coming to you live on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Great job by producer Jim Shaper there and Miranda Sinisteros with the assist as well. 
Well, listen, we got to take a quick break on the show, but we will have some time for your phone calls in the final segment. So why not call in? You can talk about whatever you want to ask me. Within reason, I'll try to answer it. 888-914-9149. I'm going to also be sharing this about faith, facts, and fun, but I'm going to be watching this weekend. I can't wait to tell you about it. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. This is the Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. All right, welcome back to our final segment of the week, your last chance to get on the program yourself. You can call in right now with your question, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our listener line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. All right, so once again, let me give that, that number out one more time, 888-914-9149. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Pedro in Tarzana, California. Hi, Pedro. Hey, Father. Uh, I'm not a uh, priest, but uh, hey, thanks for the oh, upgrade. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I, no worries. I, I saved you guys after your father, so I, I figured I'd call in. Yeah, it's you know you got a got a good chance. There are a lot of priests who host shows on this program, so you got you got a good pretty good odds of, of being right. But uh, what's what's on your mind, Pedro? What's going on? Well, uh, I'm at uh, work right now, and as you know, we're in Lent, and yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of like the only Catholic, and mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by atheists. <laughs> wow! But yeah, um, I try to encourage them not to eat meat on Fridays because I I kind of order food on Fridays because. Mm-hmm. Our company does that for us, so I, I, I try to do that, uh, but I'm not sure if I'm, I don't know, I don't want to be uh, annoying about it, but, you know, every Friday I've been bringing it up. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. I'm not sure if... Well, I would, I would say this, Pedro. First of all, I think it's kind of awesome that you are where you are, because really you're kind of in a mission field, right? If you're the only Catholic, that's... You might say, well, that's kind of a scary thought, but it's also kind of an exciting thought that, that you get a chance to, you might be the only Catholic that these guys ever get to really know. And um, it, it's a great chance to, ha- to have an impact. So I, I would say it's probably going to lead to, it probably already has led to some interesting conversations over the lunch table. With respect to the, to the idea of trying to encourage other people not to eat meat on Fridays who, who aren't Catholic, I wouldn't start there. I wouldn't start there. Maybe what you could do is if they if they ask you about it, or you could just say, like, drop a comment saying, oh, you know, you probably already have, Pedro. You can tell me about this, whether that's the case. I mean, you could talk to, to them about why you're not eating meat on, on Friday. You know, I don't eat meat because it's Friday during Lent, and here's why we do this. Or maybe if somebody asks you about it, certainly give them an answer. But I don't think we can compel other people who are not Catholic to adhere to Catholic teaching if they're not currently in the church um so be, be like why would they be doing that i mean would they be doing that just to make you happy or would they be doing that because they actually see this spiritual benefit in it uh would they be doing it for the same reasons you're doing it they wouldn't be i don't think at this case so i'd probably start with something a little bit more basic with them but but conversations can lead to other conversations so but, but has anybody ever asked you about this pedro or yeah i've, I've explained to them uh why i do it and you know, the traditions in the church and uh, whatnot. But I'm not sure if I should just keep bringing it up at this point anymore, just because, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to 
I change, but you know, I still try to bring it up every so often. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I personally, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be trying to uh, encourage non-Catholics to to adhere to Catholic practices. Um, I would simply let your testimony speak for itself, and definitely talk about it for sure. Um, people who say that we're, we're simply supposed to just give silent witness and never talk about our faith, I, I don't think that's that's true at all. We, we do need to talk about it. There's an old saying that's attributed to uh, St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Well, he never actually said that. Historians have looked into it. He never actually said that. Uh, we do need to use our words sometimes, especially when people start asking about it. So got to be well prepared, good. but I, I would just say like, yeah, yeah, just, just be a good example, be a great worker, be a great colleague, be a great friend. Um, and eventually what's going to happen is it might take some time. People are watching you. They know you're Catholic. And if they have something come up in their life, sometimes people will have a crisis in their life. They'll have some, yeah. some problem in their marriage or they'll have a problem with the boss at work or a problem with their kid or something like that. And that's when they're going to come to you. That's when they're going to come to you because they'll know, hey, this guy is a spiritual guy and he might be the one person I can talk to about this. So those things will happen at the, at the you can't really plan those conversations out, but, but yeah. just, 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 just be like a, at a human level, like practice the human virtues, be a good friend, be a good colleague, like I said, and show a good example. And you'll be surprised and pray for these guys, pray for these guys and uh, yeah, pray, to their, pray to their guardian angels. Pray to their guardian yeah. angels. Everybody, they have a guardian angel. Even they don't know they have a guardian angel, they have a guardian yeah. angel. And, I try and, to bring that up. Well, one of them is a fall, well, baptized originally. And, you know, you know, they all have their backstories and sure. whatnot. But, yeah, try to bring it up to them every once in a while. I feel like, well, that's good. I feel good that, you know, I should bring it up and definitely Absolutely. encourage it. Absolutely. Try to bring it up in a natural way. And, and, and like you said, they all have a backstory. I'm, I'm sure a lot of them are. Like, I think you were about to say that some of them are baptized Catholics, but they kind of maybe strayed away for whatever reason. Well, that's actually a good thing because like, they are Catholic. If they're baptized Catholic, that means that the way home for them is, is, is a short road. It's not, it's not if you're coming from a total atheist agnostic background or from, from another religious tradition, it's a little bit harder. But for a Catholic to get back into the church, it, it's, it's a simple process for the most part. So, um, cause they're really just one good confession away from being back in, in God's graces, but they're also one heartbeat away from <laughs> facing the judge in eternity. Right. So the stakes are high, but, uh, but it, it's amazing how these, these God can work these conversations. So he's, he's sovereignly put you there. St. Paul talks about this kind of thing in, uh, the acts of the apostles chapter 17, when he goes to Athens and he's preaching, he says basically that God sovereignly determined the exact places where, where people should live. And I think that extends into the workplace as well. There's no accident that you're there because they're actual people like with faces and names, real people that God loves that he wants you to reach. And so think of it as your mission field. That's what I would say, Pedro. So you're on the right track. Cool. Yeah, that is beautiful. Thank you. Well, I really th appreciate your work. Hey, thank you, Pedro. Thanks for calling in, man. Have a great weekend. God bless you. God bless you and have a very happy and holy Lent. That was Pedro in Tarzana, California. I was going to do my Tarzan. No, I beat my chest. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But what I'm going to do is uh, say something I'm really excited to watch tonight. Um, as you know me, Th this is not, by the way, this is not, I know it's going to be about sports, but it's not really about sports. It's not really about sports. Sports is simply the vehicle to talk about this. There is, there was a book that came out in 2020, which is one of my favorite books that I've read 
maybe ever. And it's called The Dynasty. The Dynasty. It's by the uh, New York Times bestselling author Jeff Benedict. And it's about the New England Patriots football team and their dynasty, their their 20-year run of dominance almost. They won six Super Bowls in 18 years, played in nine of them, won six. And th- this is probably the most unique story because it, it, it's it's really a story about what it takes to be the best in the world and how three underdogs made it happen. People that, I mean, really the odds were not good that this would happen, but it did happen. And here, here it's the book has now become a docu series on Apple TV. It started the first two episodes dropped last Friday. There are two new episodes that dropped today. I can't wait to see them. But here's the trailer for the series on Apple TV Plus, The Dynasty. Check it out. In pro football, nobody's entitled to anything. You have to go out there and earn it. I was pretty intent on proving myself. We were going to determine the future of football in New England. The Patriots are Super Bowl champions! First dynasty of the century. This game is like a narcotic. You're chasing that forever. Breaking news right now. Spygate. Deflategate. Aaron couldn't separate himself from that dark side. That team won enough to become the villain. We worked for Bill, but we played for Tom. Bill tore Brady's head completely off. There's things that are done that can't be undone. I was just trying to hold it together the best I could. This team will be scrutinized, celebrated for as long as the game of football is played. All right. Well, that gets you pumped up. It's the dynasty. And um, based on a book written by Jeff Benedict, and you heard those voices, uh, many players from the New England Patriots, and also the owner, Robert Kraft, who said, you know, I was just trying to keep it all together. Coach Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, of course, the quarterback. And what, what I loved about the book, and I think it's going to come through as well in the docuseries, this is the only book I've ever read that I know of that talks about the owner of the team. And, and I'm telling you, when I, when I read the story of Robert Kraft, and I, I knew a lot about it anyways, uh, be, being a fan, but the way that Robert Kraft got control of the New England Patriots, how he came to be the owner of the team, that in itself, like it, it, when you read this book, the, that's a movie. That could be a movie. It, it's an unbelievable story about how he did this. And uh, he, he was a, a lifelong Patriots fan. He used to take his kids to games every Sunday. Had season tickets for years and years and years. And you guys might remember this. Do you guys remember Victor Kayam, the Remington Razor guys, the electric razor? Remember those commercials? I like the razor so much, I bought the company. Well, he became famous. Remington sales went through the roof after he made that commercial. He bought the New England Patriots from the original owners of the team, the Sullivan family, but he really didn't read the fine print when he bought the team, Victor Kayam. And through a series of maneuvers, Robert Kraft was able to get control of the team. And how he did it was unbelievable. And I'll just tell you a, a couple highlights. The first thing he did was he bought the parking lots around the stadium. So he owned all the parking and all the revenue from that. Then, through a loophole in the contract and the lease, he actually bought the stadium uh, which was called Foxborough Stadium. At the time, it was called Sullivan Stadium. He bought the stadium that the Patriots played in. So he owned the stadium. He owned the parking. He owned the concessions. Uh, 
Victor Kayam owned the team, but here's what happened. Victor Kayam, as the owner, didn't even have a seat for the games. He didn't have a private box. He had to buy a ticket just like everybody else did, even though he owned the team. How embarrassing. But it was just an incredibly brilliant business maneuver by Bob Kraft, Robert Kraft, and eventually... The team was sold. It's, it's a long, long story. They almost moved to Hartford, Connecticut. It's a wild story. But he eventually uh, got the team, kept it in Boston, built a new stadium called Gillette Stadium, of course. And then they kind of went on this run. But there's some incredible, uh, in, in the book, there's some incredible prose. I'm going to just read to you a little excerpt here, a little excerpt. I can't, I can't resist this. And how the, how this dynasty got started, before Tom Brady came on the scene, the Patriots All-Pro quarterback was a guy named Drew Bledsoe. You might remember this guy. He was a number one draft pick. And Robert Kraft had just given Drew Bledsoe a $103 million contract. At the time, he was the highest paid player in the NFL. But uh, in the uh, 2001 season, Drew Bledsoe took a vicious hit by Mo Lewis from the Jets. And in fact, Patriots players said when they heard this hit, it sounded like a car crash. Uh, despite the fact he was wearing a flak jacket, Bledsoe broke uh, many ribs. He punctured his lung, uh, and his, one of his broken ribs, uh, it bent his face mask. He had a concussion, didn't know what was going on. And one of his broken ribs severed a major artery, and he almost bled to death on the field. They didn't know how serious uh, of a situation it was till they got him to the hospital. But in the book, Jeff Benedict uh, tells this story. He wakes up, and he's kind of in the, in the stupor. And he has three visitors at his bedside. And his wife, Mora, Drew Bledsoe's wife, Mora, is there. So I'm just going to read this to you. This is from Jeff Bendick. Quote, at around midnight, nurses told Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady that they could see Drew Bledsoe. He slept as they quietly filed into his room and took their places beside his hospital bed. Blood was still flowing from the tube in his chest through the machine and back into one of his veins. He had an IV in his arm. His wife, Mora, sat beside him, gently stroking his right hand. Kraft, Belichick, and Brady sh stood shoulder to shoulder over Bledsoe's left side. After a few minutes, Bledsoe opened his eyes. Groggy and disoriented, he first spotted Mora. She smiled and squeezed his hand. Then he turned his head to the left and looked up to see Mr. Robert Kraft, Coach Bill Belichick, and Tommy gazing down at him. Confused and still experiencing the effects of powerful pain medication, he wasn't sure what they were doing there. To him, they looked like a vision from another time and place. At that moment, Robert Kraft owned a franchise that had never won a championship. Belichick's overall record with the Patriots was five wins and 13 losses. Brady had never started an NFL game. It was unimaginable to think that Bledsoe was staring up at the nucleus of the greatest sports dynasty of the modern era. End of quote. Uh, it's just amazing seeing these shadowy three figures of this triumvirate of Kraft, Brady, and Belichick, who really made the Patriots dynasty. And, and there have been some really blasphemous like memes from Patriots fans out there where Kraft is likened to likened to the Holy Trinity. Kraft is the father, Brady's the son, the Holy Spirit's Belichick. Uh, it's totally blasphemous. But, but these three uh, were, were really underdogs. Uh, Coach Belichick had been run out of Cleveland before. They hung him in effigy. 
Kraft wasn't a billionaire. He had to have all these crazy plots to get control of the team. Brady was drafted number 199, but it was amazing. They won nine, went to nine Super Bowls in 18 years, won six of them in the free agency era, in the salary cap era. It was unreal. So anyways, I'm really looking forward to this series. It's a great book. It's a great read. The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict. And I could talk about this all night, but I won't because we're out of time. Jim Shaper produced. Miranda Sinceros took your phone calls and helped produce as well with Jim the week that was. This is Kale Clark. Stay tuned. Brooke Taylor has an amazing show coming up. She's sitting in for Timory. You will not want to miss this, especially you ladies. Check it out on Trending coming right up. I'll see you next week, guys. Check out the podcast. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.